Welcome to the Wonder Women Tech Show, where we highlight, celebrate, and amplify women and BIPOC voices. We're bringing Wonder Women Tech to the airwaves. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Brunson. It's Lisa Mae Brunson with the Wonder Women Tech Show, and I am so excited because today's guest is honestly one of my favorite people in the world. No joke. Hashtag no joke. Cheryl Sutherland is a transformational speaker, business strategist, and founder of Please Notes, a for-purpose company of affirmation-filled products. Creator Cheryl felt restless and underwhelmed at her nine to five after spending over 1,400 hours in learning and facilitating personal development, coaching, and reigniting her inner creativity. Cheryl created a company that inspires women to step into their own power by building confidence, clarity, and creativity. As a women's empowerment expert, author, and entrepreneur, Cheryl Sutherland and Please Notes have been featured in InStyle, Huffington Post, Forbes, Fast Company, American Express, Open Forum, Thrive Global, Brit & Co., Travel Noir, and more. And more. Cheryl <laughs> spins her time between Los Angeles and Toronto, Ontario. And for all you Wonder Woman tech fans out there, you will recognize Cheryl as our resident MC for all our conferences and summits. Hello, Cheryl. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. It's so <laughs> funny. My imposter syndrome always likes to play games when people read my bio and I'm all like, oh wait, I, I did do that. Or like, oh wait, that is me. So first of all, thank you so much for come, like having me here. And um, I, I'm honestly like, you know me, I, I'm never out of words and I'm like, seriously, out of words. <laughs> I think this is really special for me for a number of reasons. And I think the main one is like, you knew me before I started my journey of entrepreneurship and you've seen me in the last five years make all of this happen. And so I'm just, I'm just grateful to be here and to continue playing with you in new, exciting ways. <laughs> I know. I know. I just, I think about that often because, um, you're, you honestly are one of my favorite people, Cheryl, like that's no joke. You have been such an integral part of my life from, from the moment we we met, you know, first kind of getting to know each other in the, in the Long Beach tech scene, in the Long Beach, you know, entrepreneur scene, to literally watching each other blossom and grow and then to be able to support each other along the way and come together. And as you say, play together, it's just really surreal. But we'll get into all that amazingness later, you know... Before we dive deep, and it's so funny because I was like thinking about this as I was like preparing for our talk today. And I'm like, you know, I know that she like her family's in the islands and all these other things. 
but I actually don't know much about like your childhood and like where you grew up and all of that stuff. So can you fill me and our listeners in on all things, uh, you know, about your family and childhood? Yeah, sure. Why not? So um, like many Canadians, I'm actually second generation um, or sorry, first generation Canadian. Both of my parents come from this teeny tiny island in the Caribbean called St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And it's one main island and about like a hundred or so little tiny baby islands. Um, you probably have never really heard of it uh, because we only just recently got an international airport. And it's basically like an amazing hidden jewel in the Caribbean. Um, we have a lot of our, our tiny islands, our private islands where like Swiss Beats has an island, Alicia Keys, you know, um, what's his name? One of those rock stars. There's Probably so many Jay -Z. rock stars. <laughs> Not Jay-Z. Um, what is it? Not Aerosmith. Um, Liv Tyler's dad. Steven Tyler has an island. Oh, like it's, it's a really small, unique getaway. But then also if you've seen any of the first two Pirates of the Caribbean movies, you know exactly what it looks like because those were actually filmed in St. Vincent. We still have like the little sunken um, pirate ship there as well. Um, but both of my parents actually um, left the island. They didn't meet each other there and went in separate journeys. Like my mom left, went to Curacao and then came to Montreal and my dad left and went to England and then Montreal. And that's where they met here in Canada, got together, got married, and then decided to move out to Calgary out West where there was like no people of color. Um, but you know, it was a new opportunity to start fresh. And then that's where me and my brother were born. And then my older sister came up uh, from the Caribbean later on once they were a little bit more established. And then after that, I mean, I think I, I lived what was called or what some people would consist to be the American dream. You do all the things that you're told you're supposed to do to be a success. So I ended up working. I've been working since I was 14. Um, my first job was Dairy Queen. Shout out to Dairy Queen. I used to put all the brownies in my pockets when I went in the cooler <laughs> because of that bitch. Anyway, so um, Dairy Queen. Uh, and then from there, I uh, worked all of my jobs, you know, got my adult job, went to school and worked at the same time, graduated with, for sales and marketing. And then from there, I had like achieved all the things that I was supposed to achieve to be successful. I had my own place that I'd paid for, paid off car. I had an adult job. I had like a college degree or diploma. And I was all like, this cannot be what life is. And so, um, well, through like, a but when you say to be successful, was this like, the imaginary like voice in Cheryl's head that was like, these are the the milestones to be considered successful? Or was this like a family, you know, conversations like these, this is what Cheryl needs to do to be successful? Define what that, what you mean by that. Yeah. So I think it's not necessarily something that was spoken, um, but it was always implied, you know, like in order to be successful as an immigrant, this is what you do. You go to school and you get a, a guaranteed job. You get a safe job that pays you a certain amount every month. You make sure you have a house. You make sure you get like in a, like a decent relationship and like you don't owe anybody anything. And you're like, you know, if you've ever played the cash flow game, it's like you, you've left the rat race. You know, you've got your income coming in and everything is already taken care of. And it was just all like, there must be more than that. 
Yeah, because I imagine, you know, and, and too often, I actually don't think about what that lived experience is like for immigrants who do chase after that quote unquote American dream or Canadian dream. I don't know if Canada has a dream. <laughs> we, we copy paste a lot of stuff from our friends in the South, let's be honest. <laughs> So the Canada has the American dream too, it sounds like. Um, but we don't think about like how much that is part of ingrained in them. It's imprinted in them and it and it crosses into the generations that um come after. So did your, you know, did your sense of apathy, because it sounds like you were like, oh, now what? Did that come from I've achieved all the things and I'm still not happy? Great question. So I feel like we've done a great job of saying when I have these things, then I'll be happy, then I'll be skinny, then I'll be whatever, you know, whatever this thing that we're looking for. And so I would, I would say that my success or what I thought success was didn't really feel like apathy. I was actually quite afraid because it just felt like utter dissatisfaction like I really disliked my job. My manager at the time was horrific at the the bank that I was working for. My relationship was like not the bee's knees. We ended up separating out later and it turned a little bit, it was definitely a little bit abusive. <laughs> and then so like ended up getting out of that, luckily being able to extricate myself from that. And then um, just all the financial milestones got hit, but I didn't feel safer. I didn't feel happier. I wasn't feeling this sort of elation that apparently I was supposed to feel when I had all my ducks in a row. Hmm. That's interesting to, to, to have a plan or somewhat of a plan charted out. You go through that plan, you've reached it all. And it just is, it just feels kind of empty is what I'm feeling from you. Like, where do you find joy? Because who I know you to be is this, like this bubbly, joyful, extracts all the magic from life person. So to hear that, you know, the first part of your your life consisted of just these empty milestones is, is so interesting to me. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it really and and the person that you know me as of today was completely different to that person then. I mean, I was only 23 then. I was just a baby to think about it, right? Like a baby. I know, right? And uh, like I you know, I've always been very ambitious and so me achieving those milestones at 23, 24, it was like, of course, it would just make sense. And so I feel like it's very um it's on the same got lines of people having that midlife crisis of like, I've got the kids, I've got the house, I've got the car, and then now what, right? And then just, you know, really having to go through, ask themselves the hard questions and rejig their life to make it more exciting or even just to start that journey of self-growth, inward, um, inward growth and transformation. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about um, getting your first job at 14, and yeah. having this very strong work ethic, because clearly you have to have that, especially as when, as when you became an entrepreneur, right? What was, you know, what was the first thing that you ever launched? And what did that process look like? I think I was part of like a network marketing scheme. And it's like, I feel I, I'm always appreciative for those because it really does give you your first taste of, of 
uh, entrepreneurship. Um, my mom I was gonna actually, say rejection, <laughs> right? Um, there's that too, right? My mom actually enrolled me in, uh, <laughs> in her Mary Kay. So I, okay. So she started doing Mary Kay, but then I was her little buddy that was always with her. That's like, you know, doing sales meetings and convincing my aunt to be all like, yeah, the contour. I don't know what I was talking about. I think I was like 12. And then I think the first thing that I did by myself was um, oh, man. one of these network marketing things, but it really gave you the opportunity to learn about personal growth and how your mindset really affects the outcomes that you have and the success that you will have in business period. I wonder how many of us can relate to like being that sales buddy to our parents because my mom sure did do Mary Kay too for a hot minute, like the hottest of minutes because then we ended up with like all the samples and we were playing with all the little mini lipsticks and such. And we're like, like, who are we kidding? You know? Um, but we felt, gro- I mean, I- I'll just speak for myself. I felt grown up like I was doing something even though I was like 12 as well. Mm. So you then went into, because, you know, you've cultivated a skill and that skill is that you are definitely in sales marketing. When I first met you, you had, 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 um, you were doing like a marketing branding agency in Long Beach. So can you share with us like what that journey has looked like for you? Because, you know, how did you get to Long Beach from Canada, when did you decide to to jump chip? (laughs) How did I get to America? That's everybody's story. (laughs) So so after I had gone through that period of realization of like, I need my life to be different or I'm ready for my life to be different, the right people, places, and things left, or the people, places, and things left my life and the right people, places, and things came into my life because I was ready. And so I got involved in this amazing personal development group network organization called PSI Seminars, and they're actually based here in Southern California. I say here as if like I'm transporting myself to Southern (laughs) California. Ah. And so with that, it really helped me get an idea of the things that I wanted to do, really practice that introspective work, allowing me to get the answers that I wanted. And part of it was like, I'm ready to move somewhere else. Like I want to move somewhere else. I want to. And then that's, that's what came up is like, I want to move to California. And at 23. It, um, at 23. I think at that time I was like 27. Oh, okay. I was like, what, what is it that I want? And I was like, I want to move to California. And all the people around me were like, yeah, you could do it. Like, I believe in you. Let's go. And I was like, okay, cool. And anybody that's not American understands how difficult the American visa process is. Like, it's ridiculous. And I was so clear on it happening and it falling into place. I was able to get um, from the time of my declaration, like less than six months later, I was able to get a confirmation of my work visa. And then I ended up packing up a whole bunch of stuff and then driving down from Alberta to uh, Long Beach. And that's where we had the opportunity to meet. Um, I worked for a couple uh, different companies. Um, One was a business coaching firm. One was the marketing company when we first met. And then that is where all the magic continued to grow between the two of us. (laughs) I love that. You know, before we go into that beautiful journey, I just want to hear a little bit about some of the challenges you faced 
you know, when, as you were like dealing with this existential crisis <laughs> that you're talking about, um, you know, what did you go deeper? You know, did you meditate? Did you, what was, were some of the things that you engaged in to really define for yourself and get clear, as you mentioned, like get clear about what it was that you wanted. I want to go to California. I want to do this because a I lot think of the people- like a lot of people struggle with that, you know, like they know that something's missing. They feel that that sort of like, OK, I've achieved this now what? But they don't know where to turn. They don't know how to dig deeper. So what what did you do to get clear? Yeah. So my first step was, in fact, enrolling in that personal growth course. And I only did it because they were like, yeah, we help you get what you want in regards to physical, um, spiritual, emotional and like money. And I was all like, what? You said more money? (laughs) Because that's what I thought was the answer to my dilemma at the time, right? Like more money fixes everything. However, it doesn't. Money doesn't equal freedom. It's all inside. And so going through an experiential, um, sorry, experiential, I'm saying it wrong, experiential, thank you, course, like that really allowed me to understand the way that I was seeing the world was not the way I could choose to see the world. And in choosing mm. to change the way that I saw the world, I was able to have more of the things that I want and being clear about what I wanted and saying yes to it and not feeling any guilt or lack or limitation around it, really getting into why why have I been blocking myself from having the delicious life that I want? Then I was able to say with conviction, yes, this is what I want. Yes, I want to move to California. Yes, I want to start my own company. And then understanding internally and really feeling out with my intuition, is this a go? Is this, it, does this feel good? Does this make sense? Is this the next natural step? And then with my body saying yes, my intuition saying yes, and my heart saying yes, then I was able to move forward. I love that you were able to cultivate that kind of you know, introspection and emotional intelligence at such a young age. I mean, all before you're 30 and you're already checking in with yourself. You're already like charting out your course and you're already hashtag magical manifesting. Um, (laughs) I love it. So we're going to take a break for today's pioneering women in steam segment and we'll be back. Today's pioneering woman is Johnny Jay. Jay is an Ottawa, Missouri and Choctaw journalist, speaker, podcaster, technologist, advocate, community builder, and entrepreneur that loves empowering others to follow their passions and create for healing and positive change in the world. Jay founded A Tribe Called Geek, an award-winning media platform for indigenous geek culture and STEM as well as hashtag Indigenerds for Hope, a suicide prevention initiative designed to educate, encourage, and empower Native youth who are or know someone struggling with bullying, mental illness, and suicide. She is a member of the Women Warriors Work Collective and served as a co-chair for the 2017 March for Racial Justice. Thank you for your pioneering contributions, Johnny J. Innovators, we are back with Cheryl Sutherland talking about all things finding yourself. 
traveling from Canada to America and chasing after that American dream and making it happen. (laughs) So Cheryl, I remember so many years ago when you were first launching Please Notes. Um, So you ran a Kickstarter for your first journal, which I still have. Girls um, use the journal. I mean, like, it's going to be a collector's <laughs> item one day. You're going to make money from it. But for now, like, you use it. Or buy another one. And then, like, <laughs> hang on to that one. <laughs> yeah, let me just get all the editions. <laughs> I'm going to be the true quintessential Please Notes collector. I Do still it. have your first, like, um, affirmation sticky notes as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, 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 I remember, so I'll just take us a little bit back to, like, us hanging out at We Labs, which is now Work Evolution. Um, and I, one of the first things I was drawn to was your personality and your vibrancy that you cultivated along the way. And I loved that, like, I could tell that you just were a woman with ideas mm. and not just with ideas, but you're, you're about it, about it to use a 90s term. Like, I just aged myself. You bout it, bout it, girl. I bout it, bout it. Dang, okay. Let me extract I think that, that might be the, the best compliment that I've gotten this year. I'm bout it, bout it. Woo, woo. Hey, I'm busting out the 1990s, Lisa May here. I'll take um, it. <laughs> bout it, bout it. But, like, I knew, like, you would execute. Like, I just saw that in you. And these are just, like, from the com- – we weren't even as close as – I mean, we were definitely not as close as we are today, right? But Mm-mm. I just knew that you had this spark and you were somebody to pay attention to, like, honestly. Um, so I remember you were launching the Please Notes Kickstarter, um, and you went through a lot with that That you know, process. Can you share with us? Because a lot of people try to try to, you know, launch these Kickstarters, most fail or they have to resurrect or tweak and relaunch. So can you share with us what that process was like? And how has Please Notes evolved since then? Certainly. So um, when I decided to start this company, um, I was super excited and I didn't think that much about strategy, which was fine. And so with that, I ended up bringing out my first product, the police notes, sticky notes, hashtag amazing. And I, um, paid for them out of my savings and then had to sling sticky notes. So I, I hit a point where I'm all like, I didn't, I did not move to Southern California to have like a stationary company. I'm not a stationary girl. I'm just about personal growth and like spreading the goodness through the, like whatever is surrounding you. And, um, through a series of fortunate events, the idea to create a guided journal came up and I was like, good, now I can sell more sticky notes. (laughs) Um, turns out that the journal is actually my top selling item. So like, sorry, stickies. Anywho. Um, and so I was like, okay, the amount that I have to pay in order to create this product is like, I don't feel comfortable front loading that and having that as an expense and like as an additional line item. And I'm like, what makes sense? And it made sense to do it as a Kickstarter. Now, um, for those that don't know the guided journal, check them out. It's the guided clear, what's now known as a guided clarity journal. And with the level of quality, the quantity that I needed, that I wanted, of course, Kickstarter was the way. And there's that, I chose that way for a certain reasons. First, it helped you prove proof of concept 
Like, is this something that people will buy instead of creating something, going through the process of spending like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on like products or prototypes, and people being like, "Oh, that's cool," and then you just and then just walking away. Also, it is also indicative of your brand. Like, are you branding yourself properly? Do you know what your people actually need? Um, are you able to actually sell yourself and convey the value of your goods and services? And if you're not, again, a lot of people like to create stuff. However, selling is difficult for them. If they're not able to convey that, then um, then they're not able to have the success that they want. And then also it helped keep the ball rolling. So with the Kickstarter and the amount that I was able to raise, it not it only paid for the whole first run of journals, it also allowed me to have extra over so that I could just donate some, that I can do um, some promo work, some marketing work, some influencer work as well with them as well, therefore allowing the company to continue to grow and prosper, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to talk about doing a Kickstarter, like, let me know. I'll give some tips. But um, there's various crowdfunding platforms that you could use. Some people use Kiva. Some people use Indiegogo. Some people will do um, use like Start Engine if they want to sell equity. Um, there's just so many different ways, but you have to find the right one for you and then be able to commit to what you want and say over and over, this is what I do. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I need your help. How many can you order? How many can I put you down for? Yeah, that's so cool because I remember – yeah, just your sticky notes. And to be honest, and I and I'm sorry, Cheryl, don't hate me or kick me when you see me. But I was like, I I I did think you were like a stationary company, like you had all the goods. So I have loved watching you evolve into this empowerment brand, like mm. literally watching you from those sticky notes to the journals, you know, to the first journals, to the guided journals to all the other things that you're doing, which which have been really inspiring for me to see, you know, knowing but where we both humbly sat in 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 the shared, you know, desks at at we at We Labs at Work Evolution, um, to launching global brands. Do, like take that in for a moment. Like you have a global brand. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm also working on like acknowledging myself and I'm like yeah so like I, I see that I see that because you and I are a lot alike in that way like even when I was reading your bio I saw your face and I was like girl soak it all in because you know and and I wanted to address this earlier but I, I knew I wanted to get into it you know for this segment because you have done all the things you have, like, you did that, right? And that's something that I constantly struggle with. And so many others like us constantly struggle with that. Like whenever, it's okay when you're on stage introducing everyone else and you're talking about everyone else that's, you know, speaking and doing great things. I know that like every time you interview, uh, interview me, every time you announce me on stage, I'm in the back of the stage, literally shaking, going, who the hell is she talking about? So to do it, to be able to do it to you was fun, <laughs> number one, but <laughs> like to put you in the hot seat. But number two, I think it's a moment for us to really come together and, and as sisters and say, don't do that to yourself, girl. Like own it. Well, it's interesting because like I acknowledge that this is who I am and this is what I do, but it's 
for me, it's like, well, that just makes sense. So I, uh, and then I take that as in, you know, a lot of the talents that we naturally have and the things that come to us easy, again, it's difficult for us to acknowledge that they're valuable or that they should be cherished or highlighted mm. because it's like, that just makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, you were in Forbes. Well, duh, that just makes sense. I just found out I was in a create and cultivate top 10. I'm like, awesome. Like that was, no, not top 10. That was a top hundred. And like, cause you were also in create and cultivate. I was like, look at me, Lisa May, I'm coming, I'm coming. However, yeah. it's just all like, it just makes sense. Like, and I'm just, and I think it's also in regards to, and I play a lot with like the law of attraction and all that sort of stuff, manifestation. And it's like, does this feel like the next natural step? And it's like, it does. And so I'm really excited to see as we continue on our journeys and create new things and like continue to grow our companies, what's the next thing that just makes sense? I love, I, I actually really love that. That 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 makes sense, Cheryl. <laughs> it, it makes sense. <laughs> like you being like one of these big people speaking up at like Collision Co. and like finally making like a gang of money because you deserve to make a gang of money. Not gonna lie. Making here, universe, can you hear that? Please? We can hear it, man. Like um, making money, like speaking and putting on workshops and having a make because we do such great content here at Wonder Woman Tech, and then wow. having that highlighted and then acknowledged and you know getting on these big shows and even like tv and like all these different things because it just makes sense for the brand to be there i love you cheryl i love me too <laughs> i love you i so swear okay anybody listening this is why she keeps me around i swear i'm just like the, the little mascot like the one that keeps everyone happy because like this is my magic <laughs> baby <laughs> well i will say like i Girl, I keep you around for all the things, but I will say that you are a voice of reason sometimes, you know, when, it, and, 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 and I do go off the rails sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, that, this is, this is just too much. And you're like, Lisa May, like guru, <laughs> guru Cheryl, <laughs> that's your new nickname. I'm going to do hashtag guru Cheryl. In oh our, my in gosh. Our chat. Well, as long like, as you she just comes put... in as the voice of reason. <laughs> As long as you put oranges and flowers at my feet, I'm okay. Yeah. But I love that because you're just like, this just wasn't the right time to work with them. We will have we will find the next right perfect partner. And I love that, you know. I uh, and this is what sisterhood looks like too. I just want to point that out because we do how many of us are working with our besties or people we absolutely respect and love. And even through the tiffs, because you know, let's face it, we have tiffs too. Even through all of the challenges and the and the and the and the you know bratty moments, like we still find e uh, our ways back to each other, and we still support each other, and we still amplify each other. Full stop. Um. So several years ago, I invited you to have a booth at Wonder Woman Tech Long Beach Conference, and I begged you. To be one of our MCs for the main stage. That's a lie. <laughs> well, I begged you to go back on stage. You I'll you to say go back that. On stage. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I invited you to be one of the MCs, and then you were so damn good, like that. The, the audience members literally came to find me and my the rest of the team to say 
where was that first MC at? Can you bring her back on stage? Like everybody just clamored for you. Like this is true story. Literally, you were in demand. And it was then that I and the rest of the Wonder Woman Tech, you know, family, our ecosystem saw your spark and natural charisma on stage. And since then, you have fully stepped into your speaker and public persona. What did it feel like when you first took the stage, first of all? And then when I begged you to go back up, because you were just like, no, I don't know. My mom like had to like then run your booth. <laughs> we had to go find her. You, came, you and your mom <laughs> came to me and I was like, what's wrong? And they're like, listen. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. And how has your speaking career taken shape since then? I just want to hear all the things. Yeah. So um, Wonder Woman Tech was actually the first time that I actually spoke like on a real stage. Um, Before that, I had hosted like a couple workshops, definitely been on some podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, but nothing, nothing to that size. And so um, I found out about it because you were, um, you'd put up a, a, a Facebook post saying like, we're looking for MCs. And I the first thing I did, and I want this to be, um, to hit home for people, is in my head, I was like, oh, this will be fun, right? So if you're doing something and you're like, oh, this will be fun, then run after it. Follow that feeling. And so I applied. You guys were like, sure. I was all like, yeah, I like people. People like me. Like, let's do it. <laughs> and so, um, of course, she was kind enough to give me a booth um, for doing the MC work, which was great. And then so I remember the sound of my feet going up those state, like up those stairs to go on stage. And it was dead silence in the room because they had already turned down the music. And I was like, well, here we are. And, <laughs> and so, you opened it up, by the way. Let's like you I, opened up the whole conference. We the threw whole you out conference. there, girl. I I was like, cool. And then I was just all like, hey, how are you doing? Everyone was sleepy. I'm all like, y'all got to wake up because like, really, I'm here to play with you and I want to play with you in my head. I didn't say that on stage, obviously. And, <laughs> um, and it was so fun just to be able to say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I love. And I'm so proud of everybody for being here. And um, bringing you on stage was super great. And I think when I got off stage, the rush that I got, I was like, oh my gosh, I love doing this. This is the thing that I need to do next. And I also want to point out something else is um, one of my favorite books is actually called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And one of the things that he talks about is that we have a zone of excellence and we have a zone of genius. And the zone of genius is where all the magic happens. And oftentimes we'll we'll reach a point where we're like, yeah, I'm really good at all this. Like, yeah, this is fine. But you're you're missing that like little piece of like, excitement, that expansion, that little bit, bit of electricity. Now, when I first started Please Notes, I had that electricity and then it slowly like transformed, right? And then I started doing booths and talking about it and, you know, selling all my stuff. And then I had that spark again and then that slowly went away. And I found that spark again when I went on that stage for Wonder Woman Tech and I was like, this is my next thing and then continued to move towards it. Um, And that since then, that's evolved to me doing more workshops, doing more speaking, um, doing different events, creating online courses, and then just continuing to build and share with people in the way that makes me excited and that also makes them excited too. 
That's just so, like, I'm listening and it's just so incredible, you know, to think about the seeds that you plant. I mean, just even for me, like saying, uh, you know, this has been a hard journey for me too, just building Wonder Women Tech. And now you know the inside of that, right? But but to 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 see how it impacts others and to see how it has impacted you and to watch you. I mean, I literally was like, this girl's taking off. You're giving me tips now on, on getting the speaking gigs and which is, I'm so like, I love it. I love it. I'm like, okay, Cheryl, how, like, what about this? You're like, girl, you need to make you a, you need to start charging. You need to start where's doing this. Where's your media kit? Where's your speaker deck? Like, let's, where are you, you're doing uh, yeah. what for free? Because I just do, like, you know, because I do, I just, I'm like, you want, you want me? Okay, I'm there. Like, I never, like, to be honest, this is, this is, this is real talk, people. Like, I don't, I didn't value myself until literally it was mirrored back to me by others, like my sister Cheryl here, who was like, who literally, like, and we're talking as recent as this year. <laughs> like, she's like, what are you doing, Lisa May? You're still doing it? Because I'm like, oh, I need to, like, I need to be there for them or I need to do this or like they invited me here. This is cool. And Cheryl's like, no, girl, you do not ask for you do not accept less than X. And I'm just like, are you? And I'm like, are you serious? That's are you serious? No. <laughs> it's funny because I I feel the same way. And I, I'm sure that a lot of people listening can also empathize with this as well. Like especially if you're not in a nine to five corporate thing where you can look up and see like, okay, how much are other people paying for this, this, and this, it can get really tricky to price something that you're attached to. So I know when I first started my business, the price points of my products have gone up, they've gone down, they've gone up and they fluctuate. Even when it came to my um, me learning how to charge for myself as a speaker, that has also changed. And I think yeah. that when we learn to see ourselves the way that we see others, then it's easier for us to charge our appropriate value. Mm. And also understanding that we are not responsible to support everybody else at our own detriment, right? Like it's, it has to be an equal exchange of energy. Do you want me there to speak? Do you want me there to like provide you with this amazing service? Cool then like, this is how I take care of myself. And it's through money. It's through like, there's some events. Yeah, sure. It makes sense for you to do for like pro bono if they're paying for, you know, flights or uh, hotel and stuff like that. However, what is it that you're getting from there other than yeah. being able to say that you spoke at this conference or this conference? Is that going to bring in more leads? If not, then like, why are we doing this? Yeah, like for me, like I'll, I mean, for nonprofits like us, like I get it because we can't even pay ourselves, right? But like for um, for profits, when they ask and they do ask, they still want you to do it for free. And I'm just like, are you serious right now? And then it's like they position it in such a way that you're lucky, you know, like, oh, you get this opportunity to speak at, you know, and X. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love this because again, a conversation that so many of us are having, but like it's it's fine for people to ask for you to do it for free or for you to do it for low cost or no cost. It's absolutely fine. And you do not have to feel guilty or obligated to say yes to that. Just like how if I'm going to like, I don't know, 
like the flea market, if I see like some tomatoes, I'm like, hey, can I get this at like this amount off? What if I give you $5 instead of like this is that? It's okay to ask. However, it's okay for you as the product to say no. And like, do you still want to move forward with this? It's energetic that you're going to continue to get people that are lowballing you, people that are not willing to pay you what you're worth because you continually say yes to the universe. I'm going to be underpaid. Well, I don't know if I put in that request to the universe, but well, that's what you, that's. I mean, it understands your actions. It understands. I don't remember your writing that note. Well, no, I'm I just mean, kidding. remix. <laughs> A bit of uh, the secret happening in in this room. So you invested into developing skills and tools for yourself to empower other women to live their best lives. Why is that so important to you? I love this question. So I, when I started my line, I never went after a particular demographic or gender identity expression, whichever. And the people that tended to come to me were women that like really loved this sort of stuff. If you look at the personal development industry, the majority of the people that are spending money are women. So it does make sense. Um, just cause again, we're there, like, there's less stigmatization against like, you know, us looking internally and working on our feelings and da, 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 ex, um, in ex- comparison to men. Um, one of the things that I saw is I actually had the opportunity to work for two, uh, different female entrepreneurs, one of which, you know, when I went to America and I saw the marked difference that it made in them when they started to put themselves first, when they were working in a space of integrity, when they saw themselves different and started expressing the things that they wanted in different ways, when they created boundaries and stood by them. And then not only were they able to attract the things that they want, but then they were able to create a healthier lifestyle for themselves, be able to support the businesses that they loved, being able to support the people that they loved as well. And then you know, not only with them, but then I had the opportunity to work out of a couple different co-working spaces. And again, the people that are really rooted in understanding how powerful they are, how deserving that they are, they're able to ask for the things that they want and people are willing to give it to them because of that. So I think that especially with the income disparity that we have, not only between people of different colors, but then also, you know, women in general, but then in addition, people of diverse backgrounds, whether you identify as LBGTQ um, or if you identify as indigenous or part of the BIPOC community, by learning these different tools and techniques, being willing to ask for what you want and feel deserving, then we're able to start tipping the scales and receive the things that we're here to receive. That was beautiful. Um, <laughs> this is why you hire me as a speaker, Lisa May. This is uh, this works. Oh my god, it's so funny. I was thinking of a movie where the guy was like, "That was beautiful." Um, no, it's it is beautiful because one, you know, I just want to point something out because in this conversation, like I've noted where you've kind of been like. Okay, treading, treading, you know, the conversation and then where you fully just been like 
so clear about what you were going to say, how you're going to say it. I'm in my purpose. You're in your zone of genius and you can hear that in your voice. And so I, I, I see the differences in the conversations we've been having where, where I know where you're showing up fully present and very clear. And I love, I just love, I love that. I love hearing that, especially as you're talking about your vision and your purpose. So you and I have done some deep work together. We've journeyed through challenging spaces as Black women. And systemic racism has affected both of us. And the events rocking our nations have shaken us to our core. You know, you and I have been vulnerable in those spaces um, privately. Um, And it has also spawned deep conversations around systemic racism um, and diversity, equity, and inclusion um, through the Wonder Women Tech Organization, and you and I um, held a, a very important discussion um, for the communities. So how has that impacted you and uh, individually and, and with Please Notes? And how, what are the, because uh, I know it's also birthed other initiatives and products that you're working on. So can you share that with the audience? Um, I love this conversation because I truly feel that anywhere that's been touched by colonialism is one where we have the opportunity to start dismantling racism and um, really put to the forefront equality, equity, and diversity and inclusion. Super, super important to make sure that everybody is heard and that we have representatives from diverse spaces. So Racism in Canada is much different than racism in America. And I'm grateful to have lived both experiences because I can see the marked difference that um, even though we're both in North America, that we have very different experiences. Um, There was actually a Fast Company article written about me, about my experience at a uh, tech pitch event um, where I was um, largely disregarded um, treated in ways that I don't feel like were professional. If you don't like my product or service, that's totally fine. On to the next. That's it. However, there was this level of like condescension that I feel was completely unnecessary. And I say that because if we look at the statistics, women are starting businesses that are not only stronger, they're also more successful and mm-hmm. um, they last for a really long time. However, they peter out because of lack of finances or mm-hmm. of lack of support. And so we have an opportunity to change our KPIs when it comes to what does business success look like? Who is this affecting? And um, are we setting up the world for success or is this just going to be another tech situation? Like we looked at Quibi <laughs> we saw how that turned out. Is it going to be another fire fest? Like what is actually going on? What are we doing to change the world? And one of the things that I'm very clear about is that um, taking a look at racism, taking a look at our opportunities for growth when it comes to diversity and inclusion is in fact personal growth work because you have the opportunity to dismantle a lot of stereotypes, negative thought processes and habits that are not um, serving yourself and not serving other people 
uh, in the community. And so coming out with the inclusion notebook was honestly one of my favorite things to do. Um, it's actually been one of my favorite collaborations. I actually co-created it with the, um, the founder of IND 101, who is also a woman of color. She hails from Brazil, Jamile Cruz, and she's like, seriously, one of my favorite people. However, the biggest thing is it is there's so many people out there doing diversity inclusion work and saying like, this is the thing. So you'll go to a workshop, you'll learn a lot, be like, aha, and then what? You have the opportunity to, again, take a look at this experiential work. How do you place yourself in these positions? Like if you were um, an indigenous man that's uh, that's disabled, how would you be perceived in the same situation at work that you're in? Completely different. However, we haven't had the opportunity to place ourselves in the skin of these people. We haven't had the opportunity to take a look at some of the privileges that we have. I know for myself, I have certain privileges. And again, privilege isn't a bad thing. It's like you just need to know that you have it. And then how can you support other people that don't have those privileges, right? So the Inclusion Notebook goes through like multiple different things, like being able to understand and comprehend what uh, privilege is really understand what allyship is really place yourself in the feet and in the situations that other people face every single day, therefore equipping you to be able to have these conversations, stand up for them, and then be being able to start affecting that change. Because unfortunately, the people that are being wronged have much less power to make change happen versus people that are in positions of power. So the more people that stand up and say, hey, this is incorrect. Let's do something about this. Hey, are you okay? Like I saw that this was happening. Let's work on this. Then the better that the world is going to be. I absolutely 100% agree with you. And when you first presented this, this project that you were working on, this product, I was like, all the snaps, girl. Like, yes, yes, yes. We need, we need tools like these. Yes. We need tools like this. I am choosing to grow in new ways. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that is something that I feel can be a very easy um, tool for DEI leaders, managers, you know, folks in, in who, who, who are leading teams or just inside of a corporate ecosystem that are, I mean, because just by being part of these companies, you are mired in the systemic racist, you know, ecosystem. I mean, it's there. It's it's woven into the fabric of corporate culture. And those are the things that that we're working on collectively and individually to change. So, um, you know, with all of that said, is there ever a moment that you wanted to give up? <laughs> Do you want me to lie or do you want me to tell you the truth? Of course, there's so many times I wanted to give up. And I think it was because I was so focused on what was not working instead of being focused on what is working. We have kind of evolved to look at the pain points and seeing like, okay, I need to pay attention to this. I need to fix this versus coming from that space of abundance and saying like, oh, this is working or, oh, this is happening or et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think the most important thing is the why, like, why did you want to give up? I remember when I first started doing speaking 
thanks to Wonder Woman Tech, when I was in California, I was all like, I, I'm so tired. Like, I'm burnt out. I think I'm done. And um, during that time, the universe was like, are you sure? Because I got an opportunity, like a, a job opportunity back here in Canada to do uh, speaking, to do all of these things. And it just seemed like the most amazing job opportunity. I'm talking like I get to travel for free. Um, the, I get to create content and then like, I get to repurpose the content and do whatever I want. Like it was amazing. And then it turns out that when I came back to Canada, I wasn't able to go back to the U S and, um, because of that lovely paperwork snafu, I had to decide at that moment in time, is this something I still want to keep doing or do I just want to go ahead and get a job and just like be a regular person? And it really came down to the fact that I was attempting to force something to happen on a timeline that I thought I should work on, not on the timeline that it needed to work on. And then therefore I was like, I'm in love with this and I'm, you know, perhaps I, I should be writing a Bruno Mars song or something like that. Like I'm in love with this and nothing <laughs> else is really, um, could really do it for me. So I needed to figure out how to do it in a more balanced way so that I didn't keep hurting myself in, in order to make this happen and definitely didn't want to give up. But I think the most important thing is like taking a step back, what is working, what is not working, and then choosing again, whether it's to say yes to it or whether it's to say no. I love that because I can 100% identify 100%. You, It's like falling in love like with a person for 20, 30, 40 years and you have to choose like as they evolve, do I still love this person? Yeah, I'm going to keep going. Um, <laughs> because I feel like, you know, our work is like a, I mean, it's a, you birth this it's baby, you're growing through it. Yeah. It's a it's 100% a relationship for sure. We are passionate about vulnerability. You know that being our superpower here at Wonder Woman Tech. So I'd love you to share something with us that you've never shared with anyone before. Wow, Lisa May, way to put me on the spot. I don't know um, that I've never shared with anyone before. I'm like thinking of all the trauma that I've been through. <laughs> okay, well, I think the only thing that I would say is that... Um, <laughs> There was a period after my father passed away where I severely alienated my mom. And then when I started going through personal growth work, that was when I finally understood why. So myself and my dad, um, I basically stole his whole face. However, we were not like very, I guess, on great terms in regards to like the conversations were very one-sided. Um it was his way or the highway with a lot of things. And, um, you know, he just didn't have the opportunity to be parented in a way that would be supportive for parenting kids. Like he didn't really have great examples for that. And so when he died, I was like, oh, well, this is horrific. And I don't think that I could survive if this happened to me again. And therefore I like pushed my mom away because I needed that space. 
And so when I finally figured that out, I told her, I was like, this is, this is what happened. Like, this is how I felt. And that's why I had to take so much space away from you. And she was like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> that's the very exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's Florence. She's, she's a Gemini. Feelings are not her thing. So like, I understand her reaction, but like, and feelings are my thing. Right. So that's where we've had the opportunity to really grow together and mesh together. Um, my mom and I, however, like that's something that I've, I think she's the only person I've ever said that out loud to. Oh, Cheryl. Thank you I mean, for sharing like, that. You, I mean, you got it. And it's funny because like above my laptop here, I keep all the reasons and all the amazing people that keep me moving forward. So I've got pictures, like, like a couple pictures of my dad, even though he never had a, a, a camera, um, some friends from California, some amazing people in my life, family, and just like good things. So I'm just, honestly, everything always works out for me and everything's always happening for a reason. And I'm so, so grateful for the life that I've been able to create and cultivate. And I, I wouldn't do it again, like a different way, other than maybe telling myself about like Bitcoin, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah you and I both I mean I remember well first of all I just want to first hold space for you and say thank you um for sharing that with us and trusting us you know we've grown so much together um in our journey I'm so grateful to you. Like, I think you, you have been a rock for me and I hope that I've been a rock for you at different times, like of our journeys. Like this has been, it's been really, you've, you've been privy to a lot of the most vulnerable parts of my life. And I know I have with you. I mean, we shared the same bed one time platonically, but you know, it doesn't get much closer than that. So I am so grateful that you are in my life, Cheryl, and that we can have the safe spaces that we do to pretty much tell each other anything and everything, and then also root for each other in our growth. I think every person should be so lucky to have someone like you in their corner. Okay, so I'm weeping on the inside, but this mascara <laughs> likes to... <laughs> likes to do things. So thank you. I really appreciate your, I appreciate your words and I receive them. I see you holding back those tears. So looking back, me too, um, looking back on the magic of your life, and I know you just answered this, but would you take the easy road or the road less traveled and why? So the question becomes, what road am I on right now? And then the answer becomes, I would choose to make it easier for myself. As in, I'm generally quite hard on myself. Um, I used to think very little of myself. Um, I used to be very, very... I was like that angry coach in the background, you know? Um, I was also like the relationship I had with myself, I was not kind to myself. And um, 
what I would choose is to just believe in myself more and just hold myself the way that I want other people to hold me and cherish myself the way that I would want other people to cherish me earlier. And I'm grateful for this journey and the things that I've created and the things that I've learned. And I can look back even two to three years, six months ago, how much of a different person that I am. And I celebrate all of that and I celebrate myself. So everything is absolutely perfect and everything is always working out for me. I love you, Cheryl. (laughs) I love me too, Lisa May. (laughs) And I'm glad I could actually say that because that would have been difficult for me. You know, I can totally relate. And I think so many of us can, you know, so many of us that are listening, just like a couple of months ago, my spiritual mentor who I've been working with for a decade, because I'm the same way, Cheryl, like, I don't know, we got the same handbook and the same angry coach, but you know, I have an angry coach too. I'm constantly critical of myself and it takes a lot for me to just fully, fully say, you did that girl. Um, you know, my spiritual mentor told me stop being, and this was actually, now I say this now, like this, him listening to him say this to me and actually watching him on zoom say this to me, literally, it was like a wake up call. He said, stop being mean to my friend. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that's so true. Like, stop being mean to my friend. And so I actually think that now this is only like a couple months old of this like new, new voice telling the old coach to shut the hell up and sit mm. down. Right. Um, so I'm going to tell you that Cheryl, I stop being mean to my friend. I because know. You I'm are just, amazing. Thank you. It's funny. I'm all like, Cheryl, <laughs> are you making this difficult for yourself or is it, this is a necessary <laughs> step. And it's just all like, <laughs> No, I'm making this difficult. So I'm just going to put this email out and make it easy. Like (laughs) continually practicing it. And it's very interesting. Even just a couple weeks ago, I went on a a little spiritual journey. And the thing that I understood in regards to how I've created my life is that in the past, I really valued struggle and overcoming and the feeling of overcoming versus the feeling of success. And then that's why me saying, oh, I did that. Okay, cool. Like if somebody comes in and like has a sale, I'm just like, oh, cool. Awesome. But the feeling of like, yeah, I beat that. I did that. I created that was like so much more satisfying. And so now I'm actually working on retraining my brain to focus on success and things being easy and really celebrating that, like literally stopping what I'm doing, jumping up and down and being like, yes, thank you, universe. Like, I'm so excited. Like, I appreciate that. And then when I overcome things, I'm like, okay, well, obviously I will work too hard on that. So shift. I love that. I think we couldn't leave a better tidbit with our audience to stew on and think about Cheryl, it was, it has been absolutely wonderful and amazing for us to like take, like take an actual sit down girl, sip some tea, uh, not necessarily spill the tea, but you know, uh, there was a little bit of spilliness. There was a little bit of spillage. Um, but I, I adore you. I'm going to continue to cheer for you. And I look forward to all the magic we're going to create together later this year with the, with the events we've got coming up. I can't wait. 
Um, thank you so much for all that you do. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here, innovators. We'll see you next week when we take on the world one more time.